0: Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. I am joined, as always, by Brianna Wu, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack. Uh, Simone de Rochefort, Senior Editor at uh, Polygon, uh, is not with us because she had to, like, travel or something Wait! Wait! Wait to scam us, Simone. So it, it's it's just Brie and I tonight. Um, this probably
1: episo- one leg woo this week. One leg woo, one, <laughs> one leg, leg woo. woo.
0: <laughs> and this episode is brought to you by Pingdom and Setup. Brie, how are you?
1: Ah, uh, I felt a lot better. Um, I don't know what you and Simone told uh, everyone last week, but uh, I had been putting off a uh, major surgery until after the election. Uh. Basically, I ran my knees into absolute pieces through my 20s. I ran 5,000 miles a year and um, I nowadays I have to be a little bit more careful with them and when I was uh, uh, doing interval training I tore a bunch of cartilage in my knee so I had to have some serious surgery for them to fix it Um, I've got like this three inch like long scar from my knee down where they're drilling holes through my tibia to like (laughs) reroute everything back into place and to stitch it back together so um, I'm in a lot of pain and uh, it's hard because we We've got to win Georgia and, yeah, you know, I'm trying to lead a team while I'm really not at my best, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, we are we're wishing uh, you uh, well. And um, I'm sorry that you are kind of, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, still recovering and whatnot. But I'm, yes. I'm glad I'm glad. Look, I'm glad that they were able to do the, the, the oh, surgery, yeah. right? I'm going to be
1: back to running better than ever, like in five weeks. So I just got to tough it out. Uh, before the show starts, though, I have to thank you for something. But preview is just a little bit intellectually dishonest. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I just want to share this story with you. So, you know, I am obsessed Absolutely obsessed with speedrunning Resident Evil 3, the, the new version of it, yes. the remake of it. And I'm pretty good. I'm not like world-class good, but I'm I'm pretty good. I'm top 100 good for a, for a game that's wildly, wildly popular for speedrunning. So I just did a speedrun tonight that was my best time yet. It's 53 minutes and 53 seconds. Very respectable time well into the top 100. But here's the trick. I did this on PS5. So as I go to submit it, I'm like, well... How many people have even speedrun this on PS5? It turns out I'm the first person to do it. So as of tonight, I can say I'm the number one speedrunner in the entire world at Resident Evil 3 on PlayStation 5 because no one has a PlayStation 5 yet. <laughs> so, yes, it's a legit it's a legit claim to fame, but maybe a it's little, a legit
0: claim to fame, but yes, a little a little, little, a little dishonest. Little a little disingenuous yes. but also legit which is which is fantastic <laughs> so congratulations to you um a world speed running champion for resident evil 3 on ps5 i'm gonna put an asterisk there uh because yes, it, it, the asterisk means asterisk. as of right now <laughs> as of right now this is so good <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is
1: people that don't play like it's gonna stand for a while because it's so hard to get a ps5 and right. you know, you still got to have legit skills at this game to beat me, which only about a hundred people in the world do. So, yeah, there it is. Uh, so
0: <laughs> I love it. See, this 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 is honestly this is like the whole model of how the Guinness Book of World Records works, which yes. is that they 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 a like other than you're not actually paying you know to to have your your record right. um uh you know like like. In constant in a, a book sponsored by a beer company. Uh, side note: Did not know until I was much, much, much older uh, that you know the Guinness, the Guinness and Guinness Books of World Record was a was a beer company until I was probably like in late high school, and I was like, oh, that's weird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, the whole model is it's like we find really obscure <laughs> records that yep. very few people will ever try to achieve. Yep. But then we certify them, and they're like, this is you're you're the one person. <laughs> In this period of time, who's ever done this?
1: Yeah, but it's like, it's like Keith Raniere in that, uh, for the sex yes. cult thing, Nexium. Yes, exactly. Where he, he, the way they marketed Nexium is they're like, Keith Raniere, he was in the Guinness Book of World Records as one of the right. smartest, smartest people. people. Ever. It's like in this one, like, Polish edition for this one year. Right. For
0: this <laughs> one year. And it was, and it was, and like, it was like not certified by anything. Right. It was basically, it was like a take home test, and they were right. like, We'll just trust you.
1: Right, right.
0: So just <laughs> trust me.
1: Yes. Uh, still, yeah, number well, one. Well, still, number still number one. Still
0: number one. I love it. I love it. All right. So um, our, we're going to be talking about, in addition to, to Bree's badass uh, Resident <laughs> Evil 3 skills, we're going to be talking about Big Sur that's been out for Mac uh, for, for, for a little bit. There have been some good things, some bad things. We're also going to be talking about the big news that Salesforce acquired Slack and uh, finally, we have some delicious scam town <laughs> level desserts. This is so
1: good because usually scam town does not intersect like uh, like the tech audience of rocket, but this does perfectly. like it's it's a perfect scam.
0: It's the perfect scam. and and without like, I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say that this is a scam that our own gang, did sort of consider pulling.
1: <laughs> true,
0: true, uh, uh, which makes it even better. Okay, yeah. so um, let's just get into it. Starting out, uh, Big Sur. So Big Sur came out. I guess now we're looking at about uh, close to close to three weeks ago. Yep. Now, um, I think we mentioned. Uh, briefly on the show, maybe it was last week that there were some uh, some problems that happened when people were when it, the day that it was released, uh, which which we won't get into. were basically uh, a feature that Apple has uh, allegedly to make sure that all the applications you run are notarized or whatever. Uh, the server crashed and uh, everybody's Macs were super slow on launch day, so that was a thing. But. That launched Snafu aside, which went away. It's been out for a while now. And I'm curious, what are what are your thoughts on Big Surbury? Well, I think this is why we wanted to
1: wait a while to kind of uh, to review it, because uh, there were so many reports of it being just not a good idea in that first state that, you know, I wanted to give it a couple of weeks to, you know, install it on my production machines and, and shake it down. Uh, I've done that now, and I just wanted to kind of discuss it with you. So first of all, this is, and I want to see if you agree with me, this is absolutely the the correct Mac to come out at the same time the M1 uh, Apple Silicon Max does because it's so close to iOS. Like you agree with that, right?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I still am rolling my eyes every time there is an interview with Craig Federighi and anybody else from Apple and, and, and they like poo-poo the idea that they're going to do a touchscreen Mac. It's like, <laughs> of course you are. Yes, we are. know this. I, I, I don't care how much you try to like hedge and, and claim that you're not and that you're not interested in this and that. When it inevitably happens, you'll have some sort of excuse, the same reason why the iPad mini was ideal even though just years earlier steve jobs had called seven inch tablets tweeners and said they had no purpose to exist like just like the ipod video was was said that there was no reason that anybody would ever want to watch you know video on an ipod Mm -hmm. um like we're gonna see touchscreen max at some point and and i agree with you that the, this which is depending on what architecture you're on it's either mac os 11 or uh like you know weirdly reports itself as a weird version of like mac os 10 but it is it's it's being basically marketed as this is mac os 11 yeah. uh this is um a, a break in a lot of ways of kind of what we had for the last 20 years even though it still is architecturally similar and the fact that um it does look so much like iOS, especially on the the Apple Silicon Macs, I think. It's freaky. It it's sense. really yeah. freaky
1: how much it looks like it. Yeah, you know, I just remember back when Lion came out, which was what, 2011? And Launchpad yep. was in it? And Launchpad mm-hmm. is like this iOS-like interface for, for launching yep. things on Mac. And it came out. Yeah, you know, I was certainly grouchy about it. I complained about it. I'm like... Uh, get that off my Mac, and now today, like with Big Sur, the icons are the same. A lot yep. of the the spacing is the same, and I I hate to admit it, but I kind of I'm into it. I mean, how do you feel?
0: So I'm not running it on my production machines. Okay. I have it on a VM, but I am not at a point. We will talk more about this as we go on. I am not at a point where I trust it mm-hmm. to work on my production machines. Yeah. Um, and 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 that comes from, if I can be quite candid. Uh, what I think was uh, one of the worst macOS releases of all time and certainly the worst macOS 10 release of all time, which was Catalina. Catalina was, disaster. Uh, a, true, was yes. a true disaster and a bad release. Some of the new things they introduced were good, but from the rollout to, you know, now like it honestly took me buying my 2020 iMac to have it running on a full-time machine. I finally just updated a laptop to it Um, finally now over a year after it came out and I still would, if if I, if I, if I really, you know, could, I would roll back to, to Mojave. Um, so I think that, um, it is, it's interesting in that, uh, sorry, this is why I have not put it on my production machines because I don't have any trust anymore the way that I used to in, in Mac OS, um, uh, just be totally honest. Yeah,
1: I think that's totally fair, by the way. And, you know, the the big thing that caused upset with Catalina, obviously, was losing 32-bit support for apps. That's not present this generation, though I think it's fair to say this upgrade has been shaky for a lot of people Um, right now because I've had surgery. I'm not really, you know, I'm not doing a lot of hardcore stuff. It's mostly uh, surfing, you know, today, recording a podcast. But I can say for for that very limited use case using Basecamp, uh, you know, hey, things like that, it's been fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and there have been some various issues with different applications Like you don't have the 32-bit thing um, this time. And, and mm-hmm. that wasn't actually my biggest concern with Mojave. Uh, I had other issues with their uh, permission system and other stuff. But there have been, it, it, this is the weird thing about Big Sur is that it, even though it looks the same it in some ways is two different releases depending on if you're running it on intel and if you're running it on on the m1 machines I strongly agree. And, yep. and 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 there are different limitations with that and i don't just mean as far as on the m1 machines you can run iOS apps, uh, which, you know, every review, um, uh, I think with the exception of, of our friend Henry Casey, who was on to talk about his thoughts, every reviewer has said that the iOS experience in Big Sur is pretty terrible. Uh, that doesn't mean that it won't get better. But right now, it seems like that's, like that's the biggest mistake. But I think the bigger thing is they have continued to make some changes into how the system is locked down. And so certain applications that were compatible um, have struggle with different levels of compatibility with Big Sur. Um, so yeah. you were mentioning podcasting. Our friends at Rogue Amoeba have updated all of their apps, I think, now for uh, Big Sur, but there were some problems getting those things rolled out on the Intel side. Uh, and then on the M1 side, if you want to run the Rogue Amoeba apps, it's actually a... And this is not Rogue Amoeba's fault at all, but the process of installing their applications is one of the most user hostile that I've ever seen because of the rigmarole that Apple makes you go through to approve the ability to install. Um, basically, a, a, it's not they're not calling it a kernel extension, but but it is a kernel extension. It's functionally,
1: a kernel extension. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: and 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 the the things that you have to do. And Rogue Amoeba wrote fantastic documentation, and this is in no way a reflection on them to walk people through it. But that whole process is really, really. Uh, not great, and um, so... Uh, I'm glad though that your experiences for everything that you've been doing in in Big Sur have been good.
1: I, I do have to say that's interesting you brought that up because the Mac that I installed this on was my laptop, not my iMac Pro, which has everything RokaMiba makes on it. So I'm glad I did not try that yet. Um, and you know, Apple, you got to treat people like RokaMiba with respect. When we talk about Macs being the uh, you know the operating system of choice for creative people. Rogue Amoeba, they make the soft. It's not just Adobe. Like, they right. make it possible. You should be treating them with a lot more uh, respect, not even like because it's the right thing to do, but because you're under a ton of antitrust uh, consideration right now. We didn't make it a topic this week, but Google could be in some pretty serious stuff for... Uh, for being hostile to their workforce, so I think things are changing, and I think uh, I think it would be very smart to treat them with respect. Uh, getting back to Big Sur, something I absolutely love about it is Control Panel. Uh, yeah, when Control Panel first came out for iOS, I didn't like it. It took a long time, I feel, for it to get good. Would you Would you agree with that? Do you disagree? Uh, Yeah,
0: no, I know, I totally agree with that, and and I mean, they replaced what. You know, and I realized that they no longer looked good and didn't have, like, the same modern look. But, like, the, the widget system dashboard yep. Yep. was really good. Yep, yep. Like, it was functional, and those those widgets worked really well, and what they replaced it with was something that I felt was pretty inferior.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that. But, you know, the implementation on Big Sur, a lot of the things that you do very commonly, adjust brightness, uh, you know, switch sound uh, sources. Um, I use my iPod Pros constantly. It's just an absolute dream to switch them uh, you know, now with uh, with uh, control panels, so... Um, I like that quite a bit. It's certainly better than going to System Preferences and digging through a bunch of, uh, of menus. Uh, that's something I really like. Also, I mean, do you run uh, Safari or Chrome, Christina?
0: Uh, I use Microsoft Edge usually, which okay. is based on fair, Chrome, fair, um, and fair. and because because there are certain extensions that I need to use, and, and Edge uh, doesn't have. So it, it feels faster for whatever reason. I think it just has less stuff in it. I do still use Safari, but my primary browser is is Edge.
1: Maybe I'm just stubborn, but I I've just always stuck with Safari because the battery is you know it's always it's significantly be most, better. Yeah, the battery yeah. is better. Um, there are a lot of extensions and things that are only going to work with Chrome, but I just deal with that because I. I really avoid Google products whenever I can get away with it, basically. Um, So, uh, you know, I thought uh, the Verge article summed this up really well. It's a little bit faster than Chrome in some circumstances, but it's still hard to really point to anything Safari does much better than Chrome. So I think for most people like you, uh, if you need those extensions, you're probably going to want to stick to Chrome. But Safari is noticeably better this time around.
0: That's great. Yeah, no and and I think that the Safari team I mean it's is there's a kind of a sad irony instance that like, you know, Chrome started off as a fork of WebKit which is yep. the the rendering engine that is used in Safari and um, you know, and then that eventually was forked and became, you know, Blink when, when um, Apple wouldn't move fast enough or, or, or do some of the same decisions that Google wanted to do with the rendering engine. But what's happened is that we're in this weird place where you do have certain websites that just aren't optimized for anything other than Chrome or, or Chromium-based browsers. And that includes, um, you know, Firefox. That includes Safari. It includes you know, anything else you want to say. And so that's, for some people, you don't have the choice, you know, like in a perfect world, it's like, yeah, I would just use Safari. But I, I can't do that but that's but it's good to know that it's that it's faster yeah.
1: um, also the privacy report is excellent you can go to any site and it it blocks a lot of the trackers there I understand that uh, journalism journalist outlets depend on these for a lot of their ad sales but it's you know these can really slow down your experience and for most sites you can go up there to privacy reports and you can it's very similar to the I forget what the premium ad blocker tool is called but you can like see a number of trackers and it will block it automatically.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and and they have actually, speaking of Safari, they've changed the extension model a bit so that it is, they keep going back and forth. They've, they've changed this like four times, but it's um, now where it's more similar to the Chrome extension model, which is also what, what Firefox adopted, which hopefully will mean it will be easier for people to create extensions for safari the downside is you still you have to have it tied to an actual mac app um but the the way that the extensions themselves are built is is different than it was before which hopefully will will open things up so that's good to know about that um so you like control center you like safari um what uh what do you think of the new you know like a like like messages app and and some of the other um uh like Catalyst apps that that they've kind of redone.
1: I'm so glad that you brought that up because, I mean, let's be really clear. I think the most compelling reason to stay in iOS, uh, you know, the Apple ecosystem is iMessages. It's funny. There's nothing they're ever going to do that has more lock-in than that. And it is fuller featured, right? Like you can react and you can uh, go down into different, you can message people more directly. It's just the entire experience is a lot more refined. Uh, Like you can wish someone had, happy birthday and no one's going to appear, uh, the balloons are going to appear, you uh, know, there. So that that's excellent as well. It's just a, a level of polish and refinement. I'll tell you I really don't like, though, um, and you alluded to this at the beginning. Um, so many of the changes here are really optimized for a touchscreen. And it, it's kind of a it's a UI that assumes you're going to be using a touch screen, and especially because it's so familiar from iOS. I find myself I've reached out to touch the screen many, many, many times. And I just I think when I think about what Apple is choosing to do, like leaving touch bar on your Mac, like, don't do that. Just give us touch Macs already. Like right. everybody wants it. It's time to get that done.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And it's one of those things where it's like, just because Microsoft and, and, and Microsoft Windows and, and Google Chrome OS have addressed touch a certain way on the desktop doesn't mean you have to follow that same paradigm. Like that's yep. the that's the thing, right? right? Like it's like, I think a lot of people would agree that maybe those implementations aren't ideal. That doesn't mean that I mean your Apple, like when and I have no doubt that when again touch touch inevitably comes to Mac OS because it will. I'm sorry, it just it 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 will. Um whether you know, they change the name of something and it just turns out that your iPad experience and your Mac experience are basically the same. Um that is one of those things where uh I I like hope that they will, you know, and I have no doubt like I will like we'll be leaders in that. We'll make it a good experience.
1: So how would you want them to do that? Would you want them to introduce like a, a an iPad Pro kind of thing where it's a Mac built into a, a slate? Would you want it to be like an iMac that you could recline and use the stylus on? How do you want to see them bring touch to the Mac?
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of in a weird place right now. I don't know. Because, I mean, both of those things I think would – I think probably like the iMac kind of the service model where it reclines would make a lot of sense. But, I mean, I'm just more thinking – if we if we fast forward to kind of the inevitability the fact that at, at you know in in the next you know it's going to be pretty fast all the Macs that Apple sells are going to be running apple silicon which means that they're all going to natively run iOS apps and more and more people are going to be porting their iOS apps or focusing on those and those are going to become Mac apps. That's not to say that Mac apps will go away. I'm sure that they will continue to exist and some people will continue to really um, optimize them. But it does say to me, because I think about the inverse, I'm like, okay, so at some point, once everything is natively compiled for ARM and like that, that'll take longer too. What then would stop you from running those natively compiled ARM apps? on an iPad, right? Like, obviously the only thing that would stop you would be that Apple's saying, we can't do this. But that does kind of make you think like, okay, this is the same architecture. These are um, the same types of devices. It's just the interaction model is different. So I almost feel like you could take, in a perfect world, what I would want them to do would be to add the Finder and add some of those real things and, and, you know, things like Automator and a lot of kind of lower level system tools and add it to an iPad Pro, where where your primary interface is still going to be with your stylus and with, you know, touch. But the fact is that, especially since that, you know, they they push the magic keyboard and stuff that there are other pointing mechanisms you can use too. And then you have, you know, this really big display that you can work on and draw on um, alongside all that stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that's dead on. And yeah, it's like the stylus on the iPad Pro. I don't use that most of the time, right? But when I do want to use it, it's a very, very useful thing to have around. And I just wish that they'd go ahead and design Macs. I don't think it's ever going to be the primary way that people interact with their Macs. But I do think there are going to be times that, yeah, maybe someone just wants to flip their Mac around into a tablet mode, lay in bed, and read it that way. Like that would be a really cool upgrade to see on, on a Mac or, you know, imagine like they, they work so much at making their things smaller and lighter. Like imagine a Mac that you really could disattach from the keyboard, like an iPad pro, I would be very interested in that. So I just, I think like with these things converging, I just, I think it's making less and less sense. So I'd like to see them do that. Anyway, that's why I don't like about Big (laughs) Sur.
0: Okay, so this we don't like about it. So, but all in all, like you haven't put it on your your Mac uh, Pro yet. Um, yes,
1: but that's only because I have to butt scoot. I have to get down on right. the stairs to get to the basement, and I haven't been on my Mac Pro very
0: much. Yeah, I, I will say that for for people who are like power users in certain things, like most of, most reports I've seen have been better than things were with Catalina. That doesn't say a whole lot, but but it is what it is. Ooh, but no I bar. would investigate. <laughs> I, I I would investigate. Um, you know, you were applications to see what is is working. Again, you know, Rogue Amoeba, they there are some hoops you have to jump through. It works fine, but you have to jump through some hoops with the installation. There might be some other things. I I would still encourage people who like if, if you like there are certain applications that you don't know for sure have been updated or not and are very finicky and do more advanced things to investigate that before hitting the upgrade button. I think for like regular people it's fine. But for everybody else, I I I'm still gonna uh, recommend investigating before automatically going through it is it, it, it's, it's kind of my take.
1: I think that's dead
0: on. Yeah. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. Do you have a website? And does your website have a shopping cart or registration forms or a contact us page? If you answered yes to these questions, then you need Pingdom because nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail, like that's the worst thing you can imagine, because that's a bad experience for your users and it could mean lost business for you. But the good news is that you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. And what transaction monitoring is, is it will alert you when cart checkout or forms or login pages fail, which is really important. So, you know, your site might be loading, but these other components are failing. And so you'll get notified when those components fail. And you'll find out before they affect your customers and your business. So you'll find out if your shopping cart isn't working before you've lost a lot of business. And Pingdom will let you know the moment that any of those fail in whatever way is best for you. So you can customize how you're alerted and who's alerted, depending on the outage severity. And Pingdom cares a lot about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you will be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. You can just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code ROCKET, that's R-O-C-K-E-T, at checkout and get a huge, 30% Thirty percent off your first invoice. Thank you to Pingdom from Solar Winds for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, next up, uh, in some weird kind of M and A news, this was rumored <laughs> to happen. I think at the, at the end of last week, and and then this closed, uh, or well, didn't, cl- it hasn't closed yet. Sorry, but it was announced officially at at, at the close of, of business on um, Tuesday. Salesforce is buying Slack for like twenty six billion dollars. Yeah, which is a little bit of money. <laughs> a little bit. It, it it becomes one of the biggest um you know tech acquisitions that we've seen in years. I think the only one that pure tech acquisition that at least I can think of that has been bigger than this uh recently has been um that wasn't like chipset related or something like that has was was a uh, when Microsoft bought LinkedIn uh what was it like 5 or 6 years ago um so so 26 billion dollars um and um yeah this uh th- th- this is big news what are uh, i know that
1: Well, Christina, I have a confession to make.
0: Yes. I I do.
1: I drive past the Salesforce building here in Boston all the time because it's right next to my house. And because I'm a tech commentator, I really should know this, but I swear to God, I'm still not sure what the hell Salesforce does? Like as best as I could tell, it's kind of close to Oracle. But yeah, what? Tell me what they do and why they would want to get Slack because it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, no. So this is this is a weird thing because they're they're obviously a really big enterprise software company. Uh, although uh, interestingly, I think more than than Oracle does. For for instance, like Salesforce technically can be used by smaller. Things too, although most people who use them are gonna be bigger businesses. But even though I work at a big software company and even though I've covered Salesforce before and even have been to their Dreamforce conference before, which was one of the more bananas experiences of my life. I'm still also <laughs> often like, what do they do? So, so they, they, they do CRM or what's known as customer relationship management. And and the idea behind that is that if you have sales leads, hence why it's called Salesforce, you have an easy way of kind of a, a database to be able to manage your your leads and 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 your your sales actions and your customers and and what's been going on. Um, with them, it can also they can be used in different ways for if you're trying to do like if you're offering customer service to someone and, and you need like a, a system that's offering kind of triage around how you have issue tracking and, um, you know, monitoring, you know, requests or or um, complaints or things that are coming in that happens. Um there are just like a, a lot of tools around that sap is another company that does some of that stuff and they're also a gigantic massive enterprise company that most people don't really know what they do myself included but yet like genuinely you know hundreds of thousands of businesses you know use them <laughs> and 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 they 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 take in like like salesforce took in something like 20 billion dollars in revenue or something for the last fiscal year like th- these are not small companies these are massive scale
1: Okay, but this is what I don't understand about it. So when I think about Slack, I have no doubt that there are major companies out there that aren't Microsoft that count on Slack. When I think about the Slacks that I have joined, it is uh, Andrew Yang's Humanity Forward, a group of uh, volunteers to win Georgia, who we are working with, uh, his organization, uh, the Relay Slack Um, There's a speed running Slack that I'm in for Resident Evil 3. Um, I think about like these small, hyper-targeted groups that don't really have anything to do with enterprise software sales. And when I think about what Slack does, you know, apologies, but it seems like an increasingly fungible product, yeah. Um, you know, I think Microsoft Teams got a bad reputation at the start. It's undoubtedly getting better. So it just seems I, I don't understand the culture fit with Salesforce. I don't understand the valuation. I, I don't, I, I don't understand how buying Slack funnels volunteers in Georgia into the Salesforce software pipeline. Am I crazy?
0: You're not. You're not. But I think the bigger thing here is that it's, you know, once Slack went public, I think a lot of what Slack did and was doing um, became a little bit different. At least this is my perspective. And I say this with the disclosure that I work at Microsoft, who obviously has a direct competitor, Microsoft Teams. I don't work on Teams. I actually use both Slack and Teams at work. Um, And and from, you know, strictly from kind of a a what I'm used to perspective, I do think that from a, a pure messaging standpoint, Slack is better. I do feel like Though at this point, to your point, it's become kind of fungible because that component especially has, I think, become less important in some regards to a lot of businesses. They, You look at the rise of Zoom. People need ways to be able to share, you know, to have meetings together and and to share files. And that is actually where Teams is really good is that it's essentially – sits on top of SharePoint which a, a lot of people um understandably have PTSD from but that fundamentally <laughs> offers a a really good thing which is giving you you know a, a massive kind of you know like you know file collaboration file share system and yeah. and I think that as as an interface for for um SharePoint which is basically what it is I think actually Teams is quite good and I think that in more ways I I think that for a long time Salesforce has been trying to kind of get into that space so they've they've made some acquisitions Related to this, they they bought a company called Quip, um, about five years ago. Uh, I think they spent close to a billion dollars on it, and this was a company that was very small. They didn't have a lot of paying users. That they I think acquired primarily for its founder and CEO, who is a, a really smart guy. Um, and and Quip was kind of like a reimagined Google Docs, and and it's it's a collaborative, you know, kind of work. Um, um, space and, and productivity tool. Uh, Salesforce also had a platform that they launched a decade ago called Chatter, which was all about trying to kind of bring a kind of trying to kind of create a Facebook for enterprise. And and they've, they've since shifted the Chatter platform kind of away from that. But ironically, that was originally a play to go after Yammer before Yammer pivoted to become more like what Slack was in kind of its early days. And so Salesforce has been trying to get into this this way of, I think, trying to have kind of an end-to-end ownership of how businesses manage and communicate with one another for a while. And so I think from that perspective, it does make sense to have something like Slack where you can say, look, all of our internal office communications, everything that we do, as well as the way that we can interact with our customers and bring them in and share things specifically with them can happen within this platform and I think that has value to it to your point I think where it's it's a little bit more fuzzy and I think this is why there's been a lot of concern from kind of regular users about this the sale is what does this mean for you know the relay slack and for people who aren't giant companies who might have you know I was reading some inter I was reading an interview last night from over um I think that it was is from over the summer uh that that um uh Ben Thompson had with, with uh, Stuart Butterfield um uh, about uh s- some of the ways that Slack is used and and Stuart Butterfield is, is the founder and CEO of Slack and he was mentioning that they have some you know businesses some clients who have you know 22,000 channels you know in their Slack instances which is massive wow. that's uh, crazy I Wow. Now, now to me, now to me that would that that sounds like my idea of hell, if I'm being completely honest. Like that that seems like how yep. how would you even navigate that. But if if businesses have found a way to do that, I think that could be useful. And so you do have these things where you have these Slack users at massive, massive scales. And it seems like that's a really good fit for where Salesforce is going. I think though that why people are concerned is it's like what does it mean for these smaller businesses and, and, and organizations and communities, which really were how many of us came to know Slack and how Slack kind of went viral and and frankly how it was adopted by bigger businesses. Um, and and that I think remains to be seen. Like I, I don't want to be super pessimistic about it, but you know, Salesforce is a company that likes to make money. Yeah. And 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 they know how to make money. <laughs> right. And I, I don't anticipate them, you know, shying away from that. Like you don't spend $27 billion on something to make the free tier of your product so much better is all i'm saying.
1: I I feel you on that. I just you know, it's like when rebellion was started, we needed a group uh you know, we needed a, a slack product, right? We certainly looked at Slack, but I had tried Hey very recently, which i just loved, and Hey is my mm-hmm. main email, and i was like, "Oh, well, why don't we try Basecamp? See if that's any good." I freaking love Basecamp, the to-do yeah. lists. It's simple. And I'm sure I could do all of this with Slack, but it's, it's just, you know, you're talking about integrations and and trying to it would just be a whole thing. And just with Basecamp, it's there. And the pricing is a billion times better. I think it's like a hundred bucks a month, no matter who I hire or fire from my team, which is awesome. Right. And, and I think there are a lot of people like me that when it comes to the basic feature of Slack, which is just creating rooms and letting people talk there in a way that's private and collaborate during work hours. I think that's a really, really damn fungible product. <laughs> so, um, I mean, congrats to Salesforce. I'm sure it will be useful in the enterprise, but I think Microsoft Teams is going to eat half your lunch and you know, good luck with it overall.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that already Teams, and I'm going to link to some some things for anybody who's interested in the show notes. Uh, ben Thompson uh, um, at uh uh like just um, uh, post, he had some really really good um, insights into um, Slack and and Teams that that I thought uh, were really good, as well as his analysis on on the deal today, which is behind a, a paywall, but it's it's really really solid. I've got links to those in in um, our show notes. I will say, I think that. Ironically, what hasn't been discussed as much, and I think this is a huge opportunity. The what I think, you know, when we look at like everybody's been talking about Slack versus Teams versus Zoom versus Google Meet or whatever, what doesn't get mentioned as often is Discord. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a massive opportunity for Discord because I I feel like, I feel like in the last year or so, Slack has. For reasons that they have to. They're a public company. They have to make money. They, from what I understand, they've, they've been losing money, which is understandable because this is how these types of businesses work. And, you know, they've been trying to build on their paying customer base. And they are going head to head against, yes, a a trillion and a half dollar giant who is not messing around and, and some people might argue isn't playing fairly, although I'm going to you know, be biased and be like, I, I think, I think all's fair and love and, in, in, you know, in, in these games and, and bundling is what it is. But, you know, they're going head to head with with people who aren't, you know, sitting on the sidelines um, uh, for like the, the high end paid users. Whereas if you look at for community spaces and if you look at for for smaller organizations and people wanting to have a really fast experience and and really excel at the stuff that I think early Slack did well, I would say that's Discord right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that. And, you yeah, know, it's too bad because it's really associated with toxic gamers. <laughs> but it is. A lot it more is. Than that.
0: Yeah. It's changed, though, right? Like, I actually think, and I have to give the Discord team a lot of credit for that because they they fought back a lot on that. And yep. um, I'm now, it's interesting, I'm in more community-related Discords than I am Slacks at this point. And I actually think that Discord could do an inverted model wherein they could actually charge people for the ability to self host your own discord because right now you know it's it's all hosted on discord which means that it's not ideal for certain enterprises or for people who might want more control over things but i would pay money to be able to you know have full control over my discord myself and self host i i would happily pay and i think a lot of other people would too but even for less than that i think just in terms of how fast it is and and for if i were starting a community tomorrow for instance i wouldn't start a slack i would i would start a a discord yeah and um so I, i think that it'll be interesting to see as we get into like the the super high end which obviously is you know competitive and 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 we're talking about you know massive amounts of money about who will win one thing over another the some of the Um, people who don't use Slack because that's what their office has chosen to use, uh, but they use it for other ways. Um, I I think that Discord is going to become the interesting thing. Yeah. I'll I'll also note uh, I am always mad about Campfire, which is basically now been rolled into Basecamp because Campfire was still to me the best kind of workplace chat sort of solution, and we used that for many, many years before we had to migrate to Slack because um, uh, Basecamp uh, said that it was no longer a real priority for them. And so um, I'm not surprised at all that you like Basecamp and that it works for you because Campfire was really good.
1: I've never used Campfire. Yeah, that's the core of what we use all day, every day is Campfire in Basecamp. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yep. (laughs) This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Setapp. There's an app for everything these days. Some are excellent and others not so much. And a great way to discover new quality apps and get all the tools you need to be successful and productive is by using Setup, which is a subscription for Mac apps. And Setup is awesome. It has over 200 applications in one, and there's an app for almost... Any tasks, so you can say in your flow and finish what you started. And now you can actually take your projects to your iPhone and iPads with support for iOS companion apps for your Mac favorites like Ulysses or To Do and Task Heat. And Setup has dedicated curation team that not only selects the highest quality apps, this is like my dream job, um, which basically means that you don't have to spend time searching for great tools, but it's also a really great value because instead of paying thousands of dollars for separate app licenses, you just pay one um, um, low monthly fee. And so new apps are added regularly, updates are free, and all the apps are their full featured pro version. So you're not getting anything cut down. You're getting the full versions of the apps, the full licenses, um, and um, so you can head over to setup. dot com to try Setup for free for a week. And if you like it, you pay just nine ninety nine per month. as long as it's useful to you and honestly it will be Uh, i have been a setup user for years since they launched it is genuinely one of my favorite subscriptions that i get there's so many good apps on the platform so i encourage you if you are a a mac user who is wanting a way to have access to a lot of high quality software uh, where you don't have to worry about what's good and what's not head over to setup.com to see how it fits in with your workflow our thanks to Setup for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay,
1: I'm so psyched about this next yeah, topic. I was, oh say, I was gonna say,
0: I was gonna say, Bree, give us some background on this because you're the one who discovered <laughs> this. Because all, all, all I know is that I saw like what's that message is being like scam Mac Pro something or another, and I was like. Wait, what? Yeah. Okay. Tell us about this. This is
1: so beautiful. So there is, um, as we all know, uh, our best president ever, uh, Donald Trump, has not conceded and is continuing to uh, have some legal challenges in court. Um, One of his lawyers is Sidney Powell, or was his lawyer before she was fired, uh, who believes that the reason Donald Trump did not win is because uh, of a voting system called Dominion, (laughs) Uh, run by Hugo Chavez, uh, miscounted votes in Georgia, basically because of a massive influence of uh, foreign money into our election system. Uh, One of the women working with Ms. Powell is a data scientist uh, in the UK, and she recently put out a call uh, basically asking people to uh, uh, help her do the kind of research that she needs to do to verify that this election is a sham that it was stolen. So basically she wants to go through and do a bunch of uh, regression analysis on the information. That's not interesting. <laughs> what, what is interesting is what she was asking for to get this done. It wasn't a, a donation. It was uh, It was a Mac Pro. <laughs> so she was making the call. She. So I'm going to read the tweet right here. This is from uh, Sarah Eaglesfield seeking a benefactor to get me a Mac Pro so I'm able to actually audit the voter data I have now. Over 100 gigabytes costs a ridiculous amount, and this work will go slow until I upgrade. And then she posts the link to the Mac Pro she wants, which is the 51,000-pound Mac Pro with, uh, I believe, it's 24 cores. Uh, If you convert uh, the pounds over to dollars, I do believe that that is uh, $67,000. And she's also asking for the, in British pounds, $8,000 Pro Display XDR. So Christina, you're a little bit familiar with working with large data sets. I don't uh-huh. know if you do it yourself, but yep. I'm sure you're you were in a position to evaluate is a Mac Pro a machine uh, is a is a eighty uh, is a uh, eighty one thousand I'm sorry, sixty-seven thousand dollar Mac Pro a machine someone would need to analyze one hundred gigabytes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is where this is funny, right? Because yeah, I am actually familiar with some large data sets, and there are certainly some really, really large data sets that would require that level of Mac Pro. I can yep. tell you that 100 gigabytes is not it, <laughs> not even close. Yes. I can tell you that 100 gigabytes were like, this is cute, like honestly, like that's <laughs> that, that 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 doesn't even meet the qualification for big data. Um, uh, yes, it's probably going to be overpowered for you know your. Uh, your lower powered MacBook Air or or for, for a laptop. Uh, but that is absolutely not something that you need a computer of, of, of that size or expense or capacity to do 24 cores for 100 gigabytes. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty hysterical, actually.
1: Well, there's the question if... Uh, so just to be clear, almost everyone that works with this kind of data, actual big data, yep. would would use like an AWS node or something like that. Yes. Like they'd they rent a node and uh-huh. let me tell you, $67,000 would get you a lot of... Uh, of compute time. Uh, compute time to calculate this stuff. So that's that's a whole thing right there, but...
0: totally. So, And and
1: she claims, uh, according to tweets I've seen, that... uh the reason she has to have a Mac Pro is for security, which is hilarious because she's working with public data that anyone can request and get from the Secretary of State. You might have to pay for it, but this is essentially it's it's not it's not ultra like code word classified data. So that's just flat out not true, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And then there's the question of how. You would even use this. Like, she's asking for a model with like literally 10 times the amount of RAM as the voter file (laughs) that she's trying to work with, with 24 cores, which is just a joke.
0: Yeah, no, what's interesting about this, though, is that when I look at the Grift, I mean, you know, part of me has to be like, oh, yeah, the Grift is really awesome. Uh, Way to try to get that money. But like, I have no, I guess, faith in the competency of somebody who purports to be like a data scientist who would say this is what I need to analyze this amount of data. Like if your response is saying I, I have 100 gigabyte data spe- sp- like like set is I need to spend $67,000 on a, a computer, uh, I'm going to be like, yeah, no, you don't. And now any analysis that you have of this is going to be suspect to me because I have no faith that you actually know what you're doing.
1: I'm trying to understand what she would even be using it for outside of some very basic spreadsheet functions of figuring out what the reported uh, vote totals were in a precinct versus the number of people that voted in a in a past election. Because when I think about the the Mac Pro and what that's really used for. The kind of person that would need a, a Mac Pro with 24 cores is someone that is like constantly um, compiling a build of, a, of, a, of a, a game or something for a very, very large team of like 200 people. Or right. someone that's doing 3D renders all day long, though God knows why you would do that on a Mac. It's probably cheaper to do for cloud Absolutely. computing, which many people do. Um, it, it's... it's It really is a situation where there may be a few hundred people on Earth that would really justifiably need a Mac like that, and all of them really, really, really need a Mac like that, but almost no one else does. It's just... It's it's laughable, and and the part I really can't get past, Christina, and I, I want to know what you think about this, is the XDR monitor. I was laughing my butt yes. off in Apple's in Apple's presentation when they're going down to the Fab Lab uh, for the chip architecture, and they're using XDR monitors down there. The XD monitor is a very pretty looking monitor, but it is wildly overpriced. Well, I, it's not that it's wildly overpriced; it's fairly priced. If what you do is professional color gradation, meaning it is your job to make Avengers 2 look like Avengers 1, or you're compositing Nuke and making sure the color of a rendered explosion matches your scene, or or some very, very hyper-specialized colorizing use with that. Not even most professional photographers would need something so beyond like color profiles, right? Unless they're regularly trying to match the look of one thing to another thing, so the thought that a data scientist right. needs a six thousand dollar monitor—it's just a grift, man. That's all it is.
0: No, it's it's a hilarious grift. I'm like, I you know, I see this, and I'm like, how is how is this actually serious? Because you're exactly right. Like, I don't think the the monitor, if you need it, I don't think is overpriced, but uh, you sure as hell don't need it for analyzing data, honestly, because most of the work that's going to be done, which also, as you mentioned, the Frankly, the graphic card that that Max use are not the graphics cards that most data scientists use. They use <laughs> uh, NVIDIA's CUDA, and right. and that's how they're doing a lot of the processing. Frankly, so it's not even the right like chipset stuff. Sorry, um, but like, the, you know, you're you're it, it's running and crunching numbers. It'd be like compiling code. Like, does it look nice? Sure. Do you need this six thousand dollar monitor? No. Like, she's not John Syracusa, Okay, right. like. Like 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 John Syracuse needs to play Destiny and also do his nerdy <laughs> stuff, right? And right. and 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 but but John also knows how ridiculous he is, has paid for it himself, right. and is amazing, and and has has spent has gone on at length about the ridiculous saga with with his his Mac Pro, which I love and and, and adore thinking about. And and listeners will know, before I got my my most recent iMac, I did for a half second consider getting a Mac Pro, and then smartly decided against it. But we joked um so frequently last year that i that I wanted to have like buy christina dot com like I wanted to run a thing for that that we had some listeners actually reach out and say, oh, you know i I would be willing to contribute something to buying Christina a Mac pro. And we were like, no, no no, 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 no. thank you so much for for offering. That was the sweetest thing, but a it was it was me just kind of being flippant and and b like i don't need it you know right. what i mean if, if if i did i would i would pay for it myself i wouldn't be begging on twitter um for a purpose like this like right. it's just
1: and it's, it's really gross, especially when you're doing nonprofit. Um, you, you're basically running, raising money for a political cause. The most extravagant thing I have bought for Rebellion Pack was an eight-bay NAS, uh, network-attached storage, because we produce commercials yep. constantly. We did, uh, we've done five, we've produced five commercials in two weeks. And I need a place, like, we're generating massive amounts of data and even before spending $2000 on a NAS that I think is a reasonable thing for a pack that produces a lot of videos to have around right there's still a part of me that's like is this a good use of our donors money because you you feel intense Responsibility about right. that, right? Um, I mean, I had NGP today. We had an outage yesterday. I spent, uh, you know, an hour on the phone negotiating a contract with them. Not because I get any money for doing that, because I've got to be responsible with my donors' money, and saved a few thousand dollars doing that. It's just if the ethical standards of what you hold yourself to in this world really, really, really matter. So I find it so personally insulting that, like, for me, I won't even use an iPhone for a business expense because I use it as a personal thing, too. And this woman is asking for, you know, almost $100,000 of Mac equipment. It's ridiculous.
0: No, I agree, and and I I mean the whole thing, I like, guess, just such a huge grift. And and if you look at the original tweet, which I've linked in our show notes, you can see the ratio on it is just bananas. And I don't know if she ever answered any of of, of the you know comments about it or, or 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 defended it in any way. But it's um,
1: can I tell you how she's been responding to criticism? Y- yeah, so, please do. It's like she posts this one breathless thing, and she's like, "Oh, in this one county." y'all it's it's looking really bad why is the vote total so underreported here it dropped by almost 20 percent what's going on is this fraud and somebody's like yo uh drexel university where john gruber went to school uh is actually out right now (laughs) so that's why your vote totals dropped a little bit And, and then she's and then rather than go Oh, I'm so sorry. She's like, she she posts this like thing. She's like, thank you for the help with researching, like voter fraud and, and getting to the bottom of this. In just this way that fundamentally feels detached from reality, from from where I'm reading it. So, uh, again, just feels like a huge scam.
0: Yeah, no, it's a complete huge scam. Um, I do I do have a question for you. Yes. What item would you most like to grift? Um, the, your 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 unwitting. <laughs> Uh, supporters by you like, yes. like, like 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 what would your version of this group to be because this is really audacious and now i feel like you know i, I feel like we need to one up this in some way so, so I, what's I your ideal yes. Grip? yes
1: i feel like for us to record rocket every week sometimes i'm coming back from meetings so i very clearly need a porsche uh turbo 964 <laughs> paid for by the network relay and our listeners to help me get on the show what about you christina
0: yeah no I mean I think that that's that's a, a fantastic point. Yeah for me you know <laughs> I I really um feel like my my current office where I record isn't an ideal situation for me, and I feel like I do need to have a fully built out soundproof studio room yeah, with yeah. with high end lighting and cameras, and yep. and I, I I need a full uh, production facility. But to get that, I'm going to need a house. <laughs> so I would really like to have a house um, yep. on uh, on Mercer Island here in the Seattle area, um, in the same neighborhood as, as Bill Gates and and Steve Ballmer. That's that's what I would like. I think that's the only way I can do my job.
1: And you can also find out if the election was fraudulent there. So, Trump supporters, please send Christina enough money to have her dream house. That will help. Yeah, help e-
0: exactly. Out. No, that's the thing. Right? We need to make sure that that all of these, you know, Microsoft millionaires and and, and some of them billionaires have, um, you know, that their their votes were counted fairly. So please, <laughs> please, sit, 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 uh, I I can only find that by by becoming one of them, uh, right. by <laughs> becoming one of those those millionaires. So You're
1: infiltrate them exactly. Uh, th-
0: that's exactly. <laughs> this is what it needs to happen not only is this is investigative journalism and it's data science this is this is multiple things and and Bree needs needs her needs her porsche to be able to to get her um uh to places on time so that she can record all the important work that she does so i please. wish i said
1: second house on an island that's much <laughs> better yeah
0: <laughs> you're thinking bigger that's smart uh, you, you gotta think bigger you gotta think bigger um <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I, I saw I saw some some funny things. It was like, you know, she was asking for like the, the Mac Pro. It's like, why are you not asking for a PS5? Like, <laughs> like, 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 we're, we're all like asking for the impossible right now. Like that's <laughs> that, that that's that's the real missed Lost Opportunity. All right. Um, well, that does it uh, for our main topics. Brie, what are you doing this week?
1: I got to be honest, I'm healing. Um, I'm trying to run our Georgia team as best as I can. Uh, Just to be really honest, this surgery has hit me really hard. I'm sleeping 10, 11, 12 hours a day. Um, and I didn't understand it until I took the surgical bandages off, and it's like my knee is just a giant set of scar tissue. At this point, like, I've been laying in bed, and I'm like, is there an iPhone cable under my knee? And it's like, no, that's just this massive, like, thing of stitches under there. So uh, I'm trying to heal from that. Obviously, we're doing a lot of work in, uh, in Georgia uh, right now. We've got an ad coming out this week that I'm really excited about. Uh, you know, Trump has encouraged so many people to, he said it's a sham, Georgia, your home state, is behind the sham of uh, voting against Donald Trump. So he's telling people not to vote. And we have a wonderful ad that's going to be coming out and it's targeting Georgia Republicans just having the president's words there, just telling them not to vote in the special election and to stay home until elected Republicans uh, fix this mess. So we'll be pre- <laughs> premiering that soon.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. That's I fantastic. It. I love it. Yeah. So, um, and, and take all the time you need to heal. I think that a lot of times and Simone and i were talking about this last week actually and um and i know this is easier said than done because both of us are the type of people who we give good advice then don't take our own advice <laughs> yes. but one thing i can say is like it's important to take the time you need for yourself because yeah. when i've like looked back and i've come back to stuff too early it hasn't been good and and we're talking about you know your health you've recovered from major surgery you're talking about other stuff going on like i know you you feel like you have you you feel like a commitment, like, Oh, I've I've gotta do a million things. Take all the time that you need because I it's you, it's that's I know it's crucially need, important. But
1: we've also got to win Georgia. And, I know you do. I you know, I know, I know.
0: And and but the the thing is the work is never gonna stop yeah. and there's never gonna be a good time to take time for yourself. So that's I'm just true. saying, like, that's as your true. friend and as somebody who loves you, and I say this again as somebody yep. who is terrible at taking my own advice. So I say this. <laughs> I remember out loud. you
1: being back to work after you got hit by that car, Christina Warren. Uh,
0: yeah, I know we mentioned this, and I was like, that was stupid, and and I look back at that now, and I'm like, no, that was bad, and like that's not something that anybody should emulate. And 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 so I part of the reason I say these things out loud is to hopefully the next time something you know happens where I need to take time off, where I'm like, no, you know what, I'm going to take the time that I need. Uh, because I'm saying this out loud. So, uh, so support you on that. Uh, I as swear to
1: God, this is what yes. happened last week. Y'all were like, take time off. Don't come on the show. And I'm like, all right, was fine. I'll, oh, and then I come back to consciousness and it's like one in the morning because I just <laughs> fell asleep literally where I was. So there it is.
0: No, that's which is fine, and and we 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 were actually I think relieved. We were like, no, you need to take the time for yourself, and and um and and we are glad that you did. Yeah. So as for me this week, um I'm a I've got some work stuff. You know, it's always weird coming back from a holiday week, but yeah, we have got you're finishing up some stuff towards the end of the year. I regret to inform everyone that I have watched all of the new Saved by the Bell reboot.
1: <gasps> is it good? Is it good?
0: It it's good it's good it it has no right to be as good as it is i'm not saying it's like fantastic television because it's not it's not ted lasso or anything which is like the best show on tv but it i i laughed and i enjoyed it way more than i had any right to and um damn it it's good like it's it's not it's like the complete 180 from what they did with the full house reboot Mm -hmm. like uh, the 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 showrunner uh, and executive producer is a former 30 rock writer and it's definitely has that sort of sensibility and um like that the, the kid who plays zach morris's son is kind of an unrepentant like <laughs> sociopath <laughs> but 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 yet likable like and but like everybody kind of acknowledges that that he's terrible and that a lot of the the, the rich kids uh that, that are on the show are kind of terrible no i enjoyed it i i watched the whole thing and i was like god damn it this is really (laughs)
1: see now i'm gonna have to watch this i wasn't that big a fan like everybody watched saved by the bell in the 90s you just did it was on of course it it was on a million times a day right it was you couldn't uh, avoid it right uh but it was funny because when this was announced uh you know obviously jesse from saved by the bell was in showgirls yes most infamously bad movie of all
0: time yes
1: which I find a guilty pleasure. And you Everyone mentioned does. a book called uh, Hollywood Animal by yes. – uh,
0: uh, Joe Esterhaus. Yeah,
1: Estherhouse, uh, the writer of Basic Instinct and uh, and Showgirls. And and you were like talking about a story in the book of him snorting cocaine off of Jesse from Saved by the Bells uh, boobs. And I'm like, well, I've got to read this book. It's an amazing book. It's an amazing <laughs> yes, so I, long.
0: It's so good. It's, it's so, so long. Oh unbelievably my god. Long, it's so I've been good.
1: chipping away at it. You know, I'm just you know, I'm not at the showgirls part to find out that story, but I, I'm just, I don't know. So I feel linked to Jesse enough after this whole journey of reading this book. And I need to, uh, I need to, uh, I need to watch this reboot.
0: No, you do. And you have, I have to say, so it's interesting. So how they've done the reboot is that Zach Morris is now the governor of California (laughs) and he had some sort of budget problem. And and the whole reason that he ran for governor was that he got a parking ticket and to get out of the parking ticket, he somehow decided to run for governor and won. And he had to cut school budgets for, for some sort of reason. And so they ended up shutting down some of these lower income schools. And people protested and they're like, well, why don't we send you know, he's talking about oh, I, I went to a great school in the Palisades, and, and they're like, well, why don't we send some of the the kids from these display schools to you know your 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 fancy you know rich uh, your 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 old high school where where your son goes, and so it's kind of a fish out of water thing where these these kids you know are are kind of have to assimilate into this ridiculous ridiculous world, um and and the only people who are um from the original who are in all the episodes like they're in the opening credits are, uh, Slater and Jesse. And uh, he is now kind of a washed up gym teacher who (laughs) his life is kind of sad, but it but he kind of leans. But it's kind of great because
1: his career has been the best out of all of them. Right.
0: I mean, I would say Mark Paul Gosselaar, but uh, he was in he was on NYPD Blue. He was on uh, he's been like he's worked consistently since like he's been on TV like Mario Lopez extra is paying him a lot make no mistake right, but right. but like Mark Paul Gossler has actually been on like primetime consistently for the last year I guess years. I
1: just haven't seen anything he's been in I've seen Moria Lopez in a lot of things uh but Yeah
0: but he's he's a host but anyway yeah, I'm just saying yeah. like like but but totally he is is the one who probably still has the most like uh, you know, people would look at him and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I know who that is or whatever. But uh, so, yeah, it's funny. And then Jesse is the guidance counselor.
1: Is she a better actor now? Like, has she learned acting in all the years since Saved by the Bell?
0: <laughs> um, the way that she leans into the character is pretty funny because her son is, like, this very woke jock. Um, <laughs> and But but he's very sweet. He's very dumb, but he's very woke. And she is, like, the the quintessential, like, helicopter mom who over babies her child and uh but is also like a woke, you know, like intelligent, <laughs> you know, like um school educator. So um the whole thing is pretty funny. They had the probably my favorite episode was the one where they had um like it was for the homecoming dance and and all of the old cast, with with the exception of Screech, because he is banished after the book that he wrote about all of his castmates, which he then later claimed was like, oh, well, that was a ghostwriter and I didn't know they were going to put any of that stuff. And I'm like, dude, yeah, you went whatever. on Howard. No, he yeah. went on Howard Stern <laughs> and like continue to talk smack about all of his castmates and share stories from the book. I'm like, why would why would Tiffany Thiessen ever talk to you ever again after the stuff you said about her on Howard Stern about the book you now claim you didn't write? Um, that was someone else's work. Like none of these people who are all listed as executive producers, I might add, meaning that they have like they have producer credits rather than executive producer credits, meaning they're getting paid for some of this. So like the the four main cast members all got paid. I'm like, yeah, Dustin Diamond is never getting on this show because <laughs> the other four of them will be like, no, but but there was a kind of a FaceTime moment with with um the the girl who played Lisa. But the the whole thing I enjoyed because it was sort of like the the realization of how all of those characters would be in real life now and how kind of insufferable they would all be yeah. when they were kind of fighting together and being self-absorbed. But it was done in a really funny, tongue-in-cheek way that I really appreciated and enjoyed. And uh, that's the thing that I, I'm mad, I'm mad about the show is that it was really tongue-in-cheek and really funny in ways that um, I was mad about it, but it's good. <laughs> it, I, I will say this for anybody who's like on the fence because I totally – there are better things you can watch certainly, but – if you ever watched the great YouTube series called Zach Morris's Trash, which they would take an episode I love and say, that. "But
1: that is so good!" Yes, they go through an episode and they analyze it, and you see that Zach Morris is actually the worst human being, completely ever. Not a role model, sexist, no. horrible to his friends, it's, self-absorbed, and, and, it's, and,
0: and it's hilarious. And, and I still love and stand Zach Morris, and, and <laughs> Marco Gosler is my number one crush to this day. But anyway, the guy who who created that and was the voiceover he is one of the writers on this series. Oh my
1: god, that's amazing. Okay. So, 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 so 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 yeah, so we yeah. talked about bad TV. I've got to ask you about good TV. Did you watch The Undoing?
0: Yes. Oh my god, has Simone no. seen
1: this? Should we save it for next week? But Oh We should
0: we should save it for next week.
1: Ooh love that show i love okay. that show i love that show so much i finally went back and watched big little lies which is a whole nother discussion but anyway yeah well we'll sh- have to have a yeah, whole other yeah, discussion with yeah, that yeah, yeah but yeah. totally
0: okay so all right that's that's um <laughs> that's for next week but yeah I, anyway sorry to regret to inform you all but yeah if you like zach morris's trash and you like 30 brock and you have 90s nostalgia you should definitely watch the new save by the bell because i it's regrettably very good
1: i will do that <laughs>
0: All right, Brie, where can we find you on social media?
1: Couch.com and and, uh, Brianna Wu on Twitter.
0: All right, and you can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. If you liked this podcast, uh, we would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts and also tell your friends about how much you enjoy our conversations about Mac Pro scams and (laughs) 90s uh, TV show reboots and, um, you know, sometimes real tech news and analysis like like, like what, what a, a, a multi-billion dollar uh, software as a service acquisition means for us, the people who really just want to share dank memes uh, <laughs> with our friends. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, please uh, leave, us a, leave us a rating and review. Thank you again to Setup and Pingdom for sponsoring this episode. This episode of Rocket is terminated.
1: Terminated.